We think about how many times you've heard that phrase, be still and know that I am God, there in verse 10. We think about that phrase, what comes to your mind? Do you ever have days or maybe just part of your day where you try to just simply get away from everything else? It could be you know, before work, maybe it's after work, whatever it may be. A time where you sit down, maybe you're reading the Bible, maybe you're just doing nothing. And you, you begin to think about maybe the day, but here we find in verse 10, the idea of not sitting, being still, and thinking about the day and what's going on, but being still and having a clear mind and thinking only about God. He says in verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I don't care how old you are, what period in your life you're in, there are times where it's hard to be still, to block other things out and to try to find that time where we can simply think about things other than work or kids or the chaos that's going on at various times of the day. But to simply think about God, to think about His Word. We are reminded in Psalm 46 of reasons why we should remember God and remembering that God is there and being still and knowing that God is always present. You think about the number of times that God is mentioned and described as being there, being present. And there's various phrases that are used, but the idea is very clear throughout the Bible that God is always with the faithful. We find you know, one of the things that Job complained about or one of the things he, he uh, was made to believe was that God was not near him. But we know that that was not the case. We know that God was with Noah when he was on the ark, him and his family members, while everyone else, literally everyone else on the earth died. We know God was with Moses as he led the people out of Egypt by God's mighty hand. We know God was with Moses as he led them as far as he could until Joshua took over at the time of Moses' death. And God was with Joshua. And the list continues to go on how God was with the faithful, and he continues to be the faithful today. If you go to the book of Matthew, we find during the Great Commission, when Christ is speaking, one of the last things he says is, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, which means the end of time. That idea that God or Christ is with us is a constant in the Bible. And it's not any different, we find, as we look at it here in Psalm 46, and it should be a source of encouragement to know that God is indeed with us. As we look at Psalm 46, we begin by looking at the first three verses here. He says here, as we look at this idea that God is the refuge of his people. Refuge can also be translated a shelter. Now, you may have seen on the news, I think I saw it yesterday, where tornadoes tore through several states and left several people dead and caused a lot of destruction and Bad things happen as a result of natural things that take place. And what was interesting is the governor, of, I think it was Kentucky, was being interviewed, and he said some people just have nowhere to go. You know, with the Christian in a spiritual sense, and hopefully in a physical sense as well, that that is not true. The Christian always has somewhere to go. The loyal follower of God, as we look at the Old Testament, always had somewhere to go. He was their refuge. He was their source of strength. 
But God always provides a place for those who are loyal to Him. Looking at Psalm 46, beginning here in verse 1, He says here, and we're going to break this in two, He says, God is our refuge and strength. That is, He is the source of it. You know, sometimes when you go to the doctor, they say, well, we want to go, we want to find the source of your pain. And sometimes it's the doctor. But that is what the question is asked, right? What is the source of your pain? What is the source of the problem? Well, here, it's not the source of our pain. It's our source of our safety. Where do you feel safe? Do we always feel safe when we leave this building and we're going different places? Do we always feel safe? Now, I understand most of the time we probably do. But there are ever occasions where you simply do not feel safe because of where you're at. If you ever traveled very far, done very much at all, you know there are times you don't feel very safe. I've gotten lost driving, shockingly, and there are times where I felt like where I was at, I did not feel very safe. It had nothing to do with the color of someone's skin or where we were we were at in a in a sense of the country and the town, but because of the things that happened in that location. That place was known for and the different things that went on in its history. I did not feel safe being there. But we find here in Psalm 46, it is the source of our strength and our, our refuge is, he says here, is God. God is that shelter. God is that strength. We may have friends and family who support us, and that is definitely something we want. But ultimately, our supreme source of strength and, and shelter and safety is God. You know, as I want to say here in verse 1, a very present help in trouble. You ever had someone disappear on you when bad things happen? Call them up all of a sudden, you can't get them on the phone for nothing? You can't get them to respond to anything? I hope I'm never like that. And I hope that we never have friends or, or that are like that to us either. This very present help. Think about that. He doesn't just say a present help. He says a very present help, which implies that he's not just nearby, but he is very nearby. I think it's someone who's sitting right next to you and they say, well, can you help me with this? Yeah. We're not talking about things of trying to accomplish to-do lists. We're talking about when bad things happen. Or there's somebody who can say, can you help me in this situation? And their response is yes. And here in verse 1, the response from God is yes, a very present help in trouble. It's easy to be there when things are going well. It's a whole different story sometimes when things are not going well. We look at Psalm 73 in verse 1. He says, truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. God is good to Israel. If you remember, we talked about this in Bible class this morning. God is good to Israel, but is Israel always good to God? No. God is always good to us today, isn't he? We woke up this morning. We woke up in our homes. We woke up in heat. We woke up to food. We woke up to clothing. We woke up to come here, and later we'll get to enjoy other things as well. You see the point I'm making? God is good to the Christian. God is good to those who are loyal to him. He says, truly, God is good. The idea there, being, there is no doubt, there's no discussion, there's no argument that can be made. God is good to Israel. We talked about this morning again. He fed them with manna. He did all these things for them, led them out. On and on the list goes. He carried them through, sometimes literally carried them through. And he says, to such as are pure in heart. 
If we are loyal to God, God is always loyal to us. And even when we are not loyal to God, what is God calling us to do? As we'll talk about this evening, look at Zechariah. He calls us back by repentance so that we can again enjoy his blessings. God wants to be good to us. He wants to be that place of refuge and help in time of trouble, as you find there in Psalm 46 and verse 1. We also find, you think about, he's not just our source of help and the source of uh, shelter, but not just when things are going well, but also in the storms, which we have to again think about this as well. Looking at verse 2 of Psalm 46, therefore we will not fear. He says, even though the earth be removed, I don't think he's, he's not talking about literally, right? Even though it seems like everything is just coming to an end, everything is just falling apart around us. Even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried to the midst of the sea. Even though it seems like everything is falling apart around us. And there's a whole host of reasons why we can feel that way. I think one of the most prominent reasons we feel that way is because we lose a loved one. Or a loved one is very ill. That many times is what does it. If we're not careful, when we lose a loved one, we can allow ourselves to fall in that pit of despair that we never climb out of. But he says here in verse 2, he says, Therefore we will not fear. That is, we being a reference to the person who is loyal to God, the Christian, here in the Old Testament, those who are faithful to God. He says, Therefore we will not fear. He says, Even though the earth be removed, <clears throat> even though uh, the mountains, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, Verse 3, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. The raging seas, some say, depict days where trouble is on every side. If you haven't been out in the sea in a boat, and wouldn't it be good? It won't take a storm for me to get sick out in a boat. But we find that raging sea, and it feels like you got nowhere to turn. There was a, it's based on a true story. There was a movie made years ago about some sword fishermen up around uh, Maine in that area. And they went out, they went fishing, and they were determined to go out and go fishing because they had such a bad season. Things were just kind of going downhill. They're going out later than anyone else. And they got caught actually between, I believe it was three storms. And they all died. Because there literally was no way for them to get out. Everywhere they turned, there was storm. There was storm. In fact, it was labeled the perfect storm, hence the name of the movie. And there was nowhere to come out. And that's what I think about. That reminds me of verse 3, that, that the waters roar and be troubled. The idea of it just being all around them. He says, though the mountains shake with its swelling. The idea, it seems like everything is just going wrong. There's no escape. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. Whereas we saw back in verse 1, where do we run? We run to God. He is our shelter. He is our help in times of trouble. We look at Psalm 27, and looking at verse 5, he says, From the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. What is being described there, you look at that, the point he's making is a place of safety, isn't it? For in the time of trouble, you shall hide me in the pavilion. If you're hiding someone, it's, you're trying to protect them. He says, he will hide me in his pavilion in the secret place so you cannot be easily found by your enemy or by the hardship, right? 
In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me again. There's that word again. He shall hide me, or shall set me upon a high, or set me high upon a rock. There in verse five. Safety is what's being described. Out of reach of the storm upon the high rock. In the secret place of the tabernacle, where he cannot be found by his enemies. He shall hide him in his pavilion in time of trouble. Safety, safety, safety is what's being described there in verse 5. As you look there in Psalms 46, 2 and 3, what do we need in times of storms? We need a place that's going to be safe. No one often thinks, we, we often think about storm shelters only when we see the radar, don't we? We don't think about storm shelters very often until we start seeing the high winds. We start hearing that sound, the siren goes off, and we say, I need some place safe to go. The Christian has God as their place of safety. When things around us seem to be falling apart, we must remember God is our place of shelter. We also find, as we continue reading here in Psalm 46, that God is the protector. There is the shelter, but there also is the protector. We're talking about protection from not so much the storms here, but those who may be against us. We look at Psalm 46, Looking at verses 4 and 5, we find here that God is pictured as being in their midst. He says here in verse 4 and 5, There is a river whose streams shall make, make glad the city of God, the holy place, the tabernacle of the Most High. The city of God, uh, the idea there being not, we're not talking about necessarily heaven here, but the idea where the faithful are, they're going to be made glad, we find here by those streams of the river. The holy place, the tabernacle of the Most High, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. If it's talking about heaven, why does he need to help her at the break of dawn? I don't think that's what he's talking about here. The idea being that God is among them. God is with Israel during whatever time is, is time they may be having. God is their protector. We're looking at uh, Psalm 3, verses 6 through 8. He says here, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Did Israel ever have enemies? Only every day, it seemed like. Sometimes they were their own enemy, but they had enemies all the time. Moses and Joshua had to constantly deal with nations who were coming against them. Sometimes they were because of Israel was going into sin. Nevertheless, we find in verse 6, they say, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, my God, for you have struck all my enemies on a cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. He's described here as a protector in a very real sense. When you look at that phrase there in verse uh, 7. He says, you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. That's what happens sometimes. Someone gets punched in the face. They may have their cheekbone break. They may have loss of teeth or a broken nose. The idea there literally is picturing God fighting for Israel, fighting for those who are faithful to him. And we'll talk about that more here in just a little bit. So we look here in, in, in Psalm 46, verses 4 and 5. God is there with them. God is there. He's not going to allow uh, them to come to an end because of him sitting back and doing nothing. Next, though, as we continue reading here, this helps us understand, I think, verses 4 and 5 a little better. As we look at Psalm 46, verses 6 and 7, we find the rage of the wicked will be punished because the wicked 
are raging as they continue to do evil. They just kind of keep going on and on and on. It's like an uh, uncontrollable animal almost. Looking at verse, 40, verse 6 of Psalm 46, the nations raged, the kingdoms were moved, the nations do evil and rage against one another and against God there in verse 46. The nations raged. The people today, when they, when they are angry about others trying to live godly or angry about Bible principles and angry about things, you know, think about for a second, do people ever get upset when godly principles happen to be held, upheld on any, in any plane whatsoever? Well, yes. You know, the abortion law in Texas, which is doesn't go far enough, but their abortion law was being challenged here in the last week or two, and people were getting all upset about that and saying, well, you know, liberals were getting upset about that, I should say, because they believe abortion is okay. And people were sitting against it. Some were, were going far enough to saying no on any you know, age or whatever it may be. The abortion was wrong. Well, that's a godly principle to say that abortion is wrong no matter what time it may be. And people get enraged at that. And we have the same idea here in verse 6. The nations are raged. The nations rage. They're raging, raging against godliness, raging on into evil. The kingdoms, he says here, were moved there in verse 6. We continue to read there also in verse 6. Uh, how the nations do evil and rage against one another. But God only has to speak and fear of him melts those before him. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. When No matter what is going on in the Bible, whenever God steps in, and we know he does constantly, things always change, don't they? Whenever God speaks, things happen. In Numbers 11, like we talked about this morning, the people complained about meat and so on. What happened? God reacted. And when they failed to, to respond in the correct way, God acted again. And we find here in Psalm 46, the nations rage, the kingdoms are moved. What happens? Well, God uttered his voice. The earth melted, which means everything stopped. God's will is going to be carried out. He had seen enough. And following that, what do we have in verse 7? A reminder that God is with them. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Why would you have that reminder there in verse 7? Because in verse 6, the nations are depicted as raging, and then you find God speaking, everything stops. And it's a reminder that God is with them. It's also a reminder, as we'll talk about again this evening, that God is very much involved in the nations of the world, even today. And we find here in verse 7, the Lord of hosts, he says, is with us. He doesn't say he thinks, or perhaps, or this could be, but he says the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge or our shelter there in verse 7. So God, we have seen so far, is the refuge of his people. He is the protector. And next we find that God is the sovereign of the world. As we look here in verse 8 through 11, he is the hope. He is the one true God for all the world. He is the way the world can have heaven as their home. We look at Psalm 46, verses 8 and 9. We can remember with whom the wicked must contend because we have him be compared now, God being discussed as one who the wicked must contend with because the wicked, they don't want to do what is right. Who do they have to deal with? God. Looking at verses 8 and 9, he says here, Come behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. How does he do that? Why does he do that? To punish the wicked and to bring back the unfaithful to him. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. 
The people are encouraged to remember the mighty acts of God against the wicked. They had seen God bring wars to an end. We know that Joshua saw God's power in battle firsthand. If we look at Joshua chapter 10, verses 10 and 11. Here the Bible says, The Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth, Beth Horn, and struck them down as far as Ezekiel uh, 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 and Makedah. And so here Joshua's leading the people of the Lord is preparing them to be routed by Israel. In verse 11, what happens? And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horn that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far of Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones and the children of Israel killed with the sword. God was what? He was actively involved in protecting Israel. They were faithful to him at this point in time, and he literally fought on their behalf. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying the Lord's going to rain down fire and brimstone and stones and things like that upon your enemy today. But is God with us today? The answer has to be yes. There is no other answer to that. There's no possibility of God not being with us. He is always with those who are loyal to him. He is always with those who are setting up against evil. And in Joshua's time, as they were routing these people and taking these nations, if you continue reading verse 12 and following, he just, he just began to list all these cities. They took one after another because God was with them. They traveled from here to here to here because why? God was with them. If they for at one moment decided to depart from God, they would have been met with defeat, and they were at AI. If you remember, they, they, they were defeated at AI before they conquered it because they had gone against God. They had to be defeated before they could have victory because they had thought they could do things themselves. We look here at Psalm 46, we're reminded that God is the one who gives us the victory. When we overcome our enemies, when we endure through those hard, difficult times, it is God who has been the one who has seen us through. So we must remember who the wicked have to contend with. They have to deal with God. And we, when we have, when we have our enemies come against us or have people come against us who make us their enemies, we must remember that God is the one who will deal with them on the day of judgment. We also are reminded here in verses 10 and 11 to know that I am God, he says here in Psalm 46. He says in verse 10 and 11, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with, is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So we find in verse 8 and 9, they were reminded to remember what God has done for them. In verses 10 and 11, what does he say? Be still and know, be still and think, consider how he is the one true God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Those who rebel against God, those who rebel against God and refuse to obey Him, those individuals, you know, they are only the proud, rebellious sinner would do such things. God says, You will treat me as the one true God, because He is the one true God. He says, I will be exalted. I will be exalted in the nations and in the earth. Verse 11, they say, what is their response? They, re they remember once again 
The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Some lessons for us to think about today. We would do well to remember that safety is found in the presence of God. I don't mean in some miraculous fill him in the dark type of thing. I mean, we find God in his word and we are reminded that he never leaves the faithful. He is always with us. No matter what is going on in our lives, we are reminded that in verses one through seven. We also are reminded that God equals safety. In Psalm 27, verse one, he says here, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He's saying, God is with me. What has a fear from anyone else? The Lord, he says, is my light and my salvation. What is it called? Well, at least this is what I think of it. When you have someone who's out in the sea and they throw out that round, I can't remember what it's called, but basically they throw out what I call the lifeline to a person. In order for them to grab hold of it, they put it around them and they pull them in. That's how, that how God is described here. That salvation means he is saving us. He is my light, my salvation. He is the one who is saving me there in verse 1. Whom, whom shall I fear? The Lord is, my, is the strength of my life. We know the Lord certainly has strength. He is all-powerful. All and then he says once again, of whom shall I be afraid? If God is our life, if God is our salvation, if God is, the, is our strength in this life, there is no one who we should fear. If we're not careful, we think that everyone in this life should, should like us. And that's not going to happen. If everyone in this life likes us, there's probably a good chance we're doing something wrong. We shouldn't set out to make people upset, but at the same time, if they do not like us because we are sitting for God and His Word, then friends, sometimes people just have to deal with not liking us. Psalm 36, verses 7 and 8 we find that God, again, provides in unsure times. He says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. God is pictured here as doing what? Providing for the faithful. Is this literally for us today? Not in literal sense. We're going to have some river of water coming into our house, but does God provide for us? Yes. We are reminded of that in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 6, when we were told not to worry about such things. We also can remember and learn that God is in control. In verses 8 through 11 of Psalm 46, that's what much of it has to deal with, is that God is in control. No matter what is going on in this world, God is always the one who has control. Though the heathen does, the world does many evil things, God is still the God of heaven. He is still on his throne. He is still guiding us through his word. It's simply up to us to allow him to do so. Looking at Psalm 66 and looking at verse 7, he says here in verse 7 of Psalm 66, He rules by his power forever. His eyes observe the nations. Do not let the rebellious exalt themselves. Does God, is he going to pour out his wrath upon the world at some point in time? The judgment day would say yes. The Bible tells us of that great day where all will sin before the judgment seat of Christ, the living and the dead, and be judged upon, whether, upon everything they have done, whether good or evil. The Bible also includes every secret thing as well. 
which tells us God has the final say. If he has the final say, then he is the one who is in control. He rules by his power, notice, forever. His eyes observe the nations. Do not let the rebellious exalt themselves. Do not let yourself fall into the trap of seeing others exalting themselves and being exalted by one another and thinking we have to be like them. There are so many things that have happened in the last few years. And one of the things I think has become even more obvious, which I think we have known this before, is that evil people promote other evil people. I don't know the last time I watched a award show on television of some type, it's been a long time. Because in reality, it's just evil people promoting more evil people. And we must not allow ourselves to feel like, well, I wish, you know, I wish I was like them. Look how successful they are, because success is not measured uh, by them. No matter what happens in this world, God is in control. When chaos breaks out, uh, breaks loose, people fear, and many turn to God. 9-11, there was prayer on national television. You know, that wasn't that was a while back, but if you think about it, prayer on national television. There were actually, I remember, hotlines and telephones going on. There were people were calling publicly to pray for the nation. There's one broadcast station that actually has public prayers every week. When things turn dark, people often scramble for help and for safety. The question is, where do they go? Where do we go when we find ourselves in hardship? When we find the world around us seem like it's just falling apart. You go back to Psalm 46. Look again what he says in verse 2. Therefore we will not fear even though the earth be removed, even though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. And the very next verse is about what? God being among his people. We have nothing to fear. We should be still and know that sometimes man can be so afraid we forget that God is our place of safety. We allow ourselves to get swept up. I think if we're honest, in many ways, COVID has allowed that to happen. We get no doubt worried about things sometimes for very good reason. There's a difference between getting worried, though, and getting totally swept up that we forget who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. We cannot allow that to happen. <clears throat> we must remember that God will always be with those who are loyal to him. We're going to close with one final section of scripture here, Psalm 91, verses 14 through 16. But here the Bible says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Who is speaking? It's God. God is saying, because he has done this, this is what I'm going to do. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high. Because he has known my name, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God is spoken of here as showing the blessings he will put upon those who are faithful to him. 
Friends, no matter what happens in this life, we should always be those, as we find here in verse 14, who know his name. We should always be those <clears throat> who will call upon him because we know he will answer us. We should always be those who know that in time of trouble, he will be there for us. Because if we're not careful, we can say this, we can have lesson after lesson after lesson, but we forget when things happen. When the rubber meets the road, we say, well, you know, I'm just too busy. There's a whole lot going on. And we forget the one place we need to be. And that's with God, and that's with God's people. This morning, as you think about these things, you think about the many things that God has to offer for us, not only for the world, but also for the faithful Christian, we want to make sure that we are doing what's necessary to have the blessings of God in our own lives. And we do that by obeying His Word and continually doing so.